Welcome to The Art of You, an artistic approach to crafting a meaningful life. Hosted by Joel Judowitz and Ethan Davidson. Today we're going to do something a little different just to change it up. Um, a little exploration of our current uh, Torah portion uh, before we get back to our main programming with, <clears throat> with Rabbi Blach. And this week's Parsha is Kisisa. And one of the episodes that happens in this week's Parsha is the Ego, where the Jewish people, after receiving the Torah, go from a really high place to a really low place in a really short amount of time. That's a very enigmatic, very fascinating episode. Mm-hmm. It shows the potential of what human beings are capable of mm-hmm. <clears throat> in both directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to read some of the verses and I know that you've had some thoughts definitely yeah. about this particular episode. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you could share some of that and definitely uh, discuss it. Sure. So the verse starts off, <laughs> So God gave Moses these tablets when he finished speaking to him at Mount Sinai. Shnei Luchas Edus, the two tablets of testimony. Luchas Evan Ksuvim Lekim. These were stone tablets and they were written with the finger of God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in general, in the Torah, you have uh, expressions that seem to attribute physical aspects to God. Mm-hmm. But these are, you know, more uh, symbolic expressions, not literal expressions. Mm-hmm. They're written with the finger of God. <laughs> the people see that Moshe has been delayed in descending from the mountain. <laughs> and the nation gathers around Aaron. And they tell him, Let's make for ourselves... Gods. Mm-hmm. They will go before us. Because this man Moshe, who took us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. He's gone. He's delayed. He disappeared on us. So that's that's the source of the mistake. Right. That's where things go off. Right. We need a, we need a God before us because Moshe is not here anymore. The man who took us out of Egypt. We mm-hmm. don't know what happened to him. Mm-hmm. And they go to Aaron to say this. Aaron says, take out the nose rings of gold that are in your wives' noses, your sons, your daughters. Bring them to me. Bring me those nose rings. Rashi explains that Aaron felt probably the women are not going to give it up so easily, right. and maybe that's going to earn him a little bit more time. And the people take out, they, they do, they gather all the gold, they veal Aaron. Um, they just bring it over to Aaron. They bring it to him. Aaron takes it from their hands. And what does he do? So he's taking him. And he bounds it up in a cloth and he makes mm-hmm. a gold uh, eagle, calf. Mm-hmm. He says, these are your gods, Israel. Shalucha who took you out from Egypt. This is your God who took you out from Egypt. Aaron sees this. Aaron wasn't the one who said that. They said that. The people said that. Let's make that clear. Aaron plays a very, very tricky role. It's very, very tricky, the role Aaron plays here. In some ways, he's trying to minimize the the impact. You know, he knows it's a a wagon that's out of control. It's not stopping. Absolutely. The best best what he could do is try to, uh, you know, minimize things. Aaron, even Ms. Be'alafan, Aaron sees, and he builds an altar before it. And Aaron says, there'll be a festival for God tomorrow. They got up early. They bring 
offerings, the Gishu Shlomim, and they bring all different types of offerings. The Yeshu of Am Lechel Veshasu, the Akumal Tzachik, and they ate and they drank and they got up to revel, to, you know, rejoice themselves, which is often a term that's used for uh, relationships, uh, basically, because that was part of the the worship, right? Yeah. That was part of the thrill right. of worship right. of the Zohar. Right. Uh, so then what happens now, God's reaction. He says, go down, because it's done. I have to destroy this nation. They become corrupt. Mm-hmm. They become corrupt. Right away, they've already lost their path. They made a calf. Molten calf. They say, these are your gods. Who took you out of Egypt? I see this is a stubborn nation. Leave me, let me destroy them. I'll destroy them. I'll start again from you. Why is God telling this to Moshe? Mm-hmm. So He's prompting him. You know, show me, show me what what you can do to defend your nation. Right. And Moshe begins to plead. Why are you going to do that? Why are you angry at your nation? You took them out with such a strength. Why should Mitzrayim say that you took them out to kill them in the in the mountains? Right. Um, you know, return, uh, relent from your anger. It's amazing right there, right? Because okay. Moshe is negotiating with God. Right. right? I mean, right. just think about it. We should, you know, never... Uh, Underestimate. Underestimate that. Right. I mean, um, yeah. it's amazing, right? That's the that's the that's like the appropriate kind of chutzpah. Exactly. That's the good chutzpah, right? right? It's like, uh, wait right. a minute here. Why should they say you just took them out here to kill them in the? It's probably mm-hmm. what God wanted was for Moshe to question this. Right. 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 <laughs> so. For sure. And where's Preston for that? I think if you go back to Abraham, Abraham did it with too. With Sodom. Exactly. Right. So all the going back, and you see that God says. Why should I withhold from Abraham what I'm about to do? Yeah. And he goes to Abraham and he says, um, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham says, um, do they have ten righteous people? Do they have, uh, you know? Yeah, he'd nego- he'd, if, if, if there's 50, if there's 40, if there's 10, right. it goes all the way down. Right. right? It's amazing. Right. I mean, can you imagine? I don't know that I would have the right. courage <laughs> to do right, that. Right, to say so. But, but I, I mean, this is why it's Abraham and Moshe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in a way, this is establishing the relationship of the Jewish people with God right. for all people yeah. and the relationship of humanity to God on some level. The question is, what does that mean? You know, right. it sounds like, you know, prove me Prove me wrong. In, yeah. in a way, when someone's yeah. in a fight with somebody else, the worst thing is silence, I think. Right. Because that means sure. I'm not interested. I'm sure. not interested. When you're fighting, right. part of the message is, show me why I'm wrong about yeah. this. Show, yeah. me, show me why you're, you're right. Exactly. And there's something to talk about. But yeah. if there's nothing, that's much harder. It's much more difficult to deal with. Yeah. Um, but the question is, why does God want to play this game, so to speak, where yeah. he's going to share with us and we're going to plead with him, and then he's going to have mercy. What do we do yeah. that, and Rabbi Bloch is going to talk about this yeah. also later yeah. on in his farm, how God set up the spiritual system in such a way mm-hmm. that by us praying, we can't say empower, because God could do it either way, but, right. but that's how the system is set up. It's set mm-hmm. up that through our prayers, we, we create channels of blessing and, right. and mercy in this world. Sure. That whole system could be circumvented because ultimately that's God's, you know, decision. It's not like God's right. incapable of doing something. Sure. But there are concepts mentioned of this idea of a, of a Jewish person or someone, yeah. anyone praying to God and empowering God, so to speak, 
to be able to do what he wants to do because yeah. that's how the system is built. And I think, yeah. and the thing you said about mercy too, it just occurs to me that, um, you know, God is creating a space for Abraham and for Moshe in this to show to show mercy because you could certainly imagine another guy in this situation, not Moshe. Okay. God says, "Look, I'm going to wipe these people out. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make right. your nation great." Another guy would say. Hey, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Right? That's not so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad. But, um, of course, he's not going to do that because we're talking about Moshe here. And Moshe says, no, it's, you know, it's not about, uh, if you're going to do this, you know, take me out of the picture too, right? I'm right. not going to be, I'm not gonna be in this he book. says that at some point. I don't want to be in the book if that's what you're going to do. Right. Um, and he uh, and he intercedes on behalf of the people to, um, and he demonstrates, Marsha demonstrates his own mercifulness. And I think, you know, that's the kind of thing that we're supposed to emulate, right? Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely, 100%. That's modeling that as well. Mm -hmm. And definitely in terms of model of uh, leadership, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you see this idea right. that Moshe says it's like in some way a person who's a leader of the Jewish people the message, the model God is sending, you have to be willing to put your love for the people even over me right. in such a way right. if you want to be a leader of the Jewish people. Exactly. Right. That, that not, I don't even come first. Right. That's the relationship. You're going right. to argue with me over, even though I'm saying God himself says, you say, no, we can't, we can't do, that. Yeah. do that. My people yeah. come first. If you want to be a leader of the Jewish people, the real leader, and in some ways, maybe this was the only way out because... Like I'm trying to think of this. Was God sending Moshe a message? Because mm. Moshe is stuck here. What does Moshe do? Yeah. You know, what does he do to get out of this? Who is he coming back to? He worked the entire mission was to accomplish one thing, yeah. and the mission failed. Right. Total, absolute failure. The yeah. entire point of this was to get to the point, I am your God. Right. <clears throat> Just went through it a couple of days ago. I am your God, and there's one God, <clears throat> and it's a failure. So right. is there a way to look at this that say God was sending Moshe a message? Mm that don't give up on your people. Don't give up because this is going to be your task. It's sure. not going to be a task of rocket ship, you know, rocket shipping to success. Right. This is right. going to be a huge roller coaster and yeah. get ready because that's the that's the nature of what the Jewish people are here for. That's what it is. And and um you know, you can God is saying you have the power to deal with the situation. Right. By me telling it to you and putting you in a position where I'm saying, "Hello, you know, we're going to yeah, give yeah. me your feedback on yeah. this." Yeah. What I'm saying is that um there's going to be a way out, and the way out is going to be by because logically there was no way out. Yeah, you know, there's according to judgment, according to strict judgment, yeah. it's done. There's, yeah, this is not right. a court case that has much to talk about. He wouldn't even he, have to consult with Moshe. Right, just right. boom. That's it. That's it. There's nothing. It's not like there's. And a Moshe says, "What happened to the Jews? Where did they go?" Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, is there nine people? Is there ten people? Yeah. But what I find so interesting here. If you cut, if you look at the arguments between that Abraham makes and the arguments that Moshe makes, mm -hmm. and what's also interesting is that Abraham really fails in the end yeah. to convince God, so to speak. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. work out. Right, right. Moshe does because the final statement here, which is a very a philosophically a fascinating idea, mm -hmm. what that means, Hashem and God yeah. regretted. If you translate the word Vayinochem, what does the word Vayinochem mean? He said, reconsidered. He reconsidered the evil that he was going to do to his people. Now, yeah. that statement right there, what it's does incredible. that mean? Yeah. He, he re God reconsidered. Yeah. So Rashi says, his And he decided to 
to turn it to a different type of thought, to actually do good for them. Al hara on the evil He thought he was going to do evil for them, but in the end he didn't. So what that means is a very um, what that means. God reconsidered. He was going to destroy them, but he said no. On the contrary, he made a distinction. Those who worshipped the idol were put to death, but the rest of them repented, and then they were able to come to another situation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So first of all, like I said, the precedent. I think God mm-hmm. is sending a precedent very quickly that this is not going to be a trip of um, without failures. It's going right. to be a trip. Like to me, sometimes in life, I think the challenge is that just talking from my personal experience, yeah, sure. that we look at failure in in like Disneyland terms. They're like yeah. they're cute failures. Yeah. You know, actually, adult failures are really ugly and painful, and and you don't see them on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. The real failures yeah. that people right. go through in their yeah. life, and the challenges that they go through. You know, the heartbreak people go through. So, to me, I think the message of the ego three days later yeah. it's not like oh the Jewish people were on this incredible thing they came to Har Sinai yeah. and then three days later there was someone who spoke Lashon Hara yeah. and then the Torah speaks about right. the biggest tzaddik how could right. it be tzaddik and they worked right. together and they read the Lashon Hara but no yeah. three days later they were sitting there on the floor in front of an idol doing the absolute <laughs> worst things exactly that's life it's that's actually right? right that's real yeah. life real life is not I, th- I feel like you know there's one level to say Oh, you know, no one lives a perfect life. Everyone has yeah. ups and downs. And yeah. that's misleading. Yeah. Because the ups and downs, what type of ups and downs are you talking about? You're talking about, you know, pretty ups and downs? Yeah. No, people have really ugly, dramatic ups mm-hmm. and downs that are horrible and look like there's absolutely no way back. And what God was saying to Moshe, and this is a crazy idea, but it's like, did the eagle have to happen? Like, was it important for the Jewish people right away to see yeah. that, that there is no way you will be able to, to, to cut off this relationship. You're right. not going right. to be able to act out. Right. Try it. What right. are you going to do? Right. Right. It's still not going to work right. because you still, have, you still have the ability to, to earn your way back. Yeah. There's nothing you can do in that relationship. That's a very sure. powerful message maybe the Jews had to hear to be able to go forward. Yeah. The, but also the arguments. Abraham makes an argument. Abraham says, well, how is it going to look when people say that God killed the righteous with the wicked? Yeah, yeah. How does that look for you? Right. And interesting, emotion makes the same similar argument. How is it going to look when people say that Egypt won? Yeah. See, who won in the end? Egypt yeah. won. They lost their way in the desert and right. they got killed. Right. And then he adds on, he says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, right? And, yeah. and Israel, your servant, mm-hmm. that you promised to them. You made a promise too. You have to keep your promise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how is that? That's a very interesting argument. Both of those arguments. The argument that God is... From your side, from your side, it makes sense, so to speak. The judgment is clear. But from humanity's side, they're not going to appreciate it. They're not going to grow from this judgment. Right. Because they're just going to misinterpret it and say, why the why the righteous dying with the wicked? And, yeah. and you know, or why is Mitzrayim winning? Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. like the argument is that, yes, in strict justice, you're right, but we're too weak to gain from this justice. Right. We're not going to be able to, to yeah. accomplish something from it because it's yeah. just going to come out the opposite, come out more distorted. Yeah. Now, you had a very interesting approach that you talked about in terms of the idea of uh, Paro. So God regrets it. So, um, go, so Moshe turns, he descends down from the mountain. He has the two tablets, and they're written on both sides, very special from either way you could read them. These luchas were God's handiwork. It mentions a couple of times. It's God's script on the luchas yeah. itself. Yeah. Okay, so there's something very special, unique about them. 
I think it's preparing you for what's about to happen. <laughs> and Yeshua hears the sound of people shouting. There's a war. No, I don't hear the sounds of strength. Or the sounds of weakness. Sound of distress, I hear. Mm. They get closer. They see the eagle. And they see circles, circle dancing around the eagle, around this calf. The absolute worst thing that, Shlomo, mm-hmm. that Moshe could see. And the uh, Yichah He throws them down. He breaks them at the foot of the mountain. And now he takes charge. He takes this eagle. He destroys it in the fire. And he grinds it until it's powder. Mm. He pours it. He mixes it with the water that's there. Right. He gives them to drink. What did this people do to you? They brought a grievous sin. Don't be angry at me. You know this nation. And you know that um, you know the people are predisposed to evil. They told me, let's make a God to go before us. Mm-hmm. We don't know what happened to him. I said, whoever has gold, give it to me. I threw it in the fire. Mm-hmm. And this eagle came out. By the way, he didn't mention that the first time. right? This is right. Aaron's recounting of what right. happened. Right. And Moshe sees the nation that it was exposed. Aaron. For Aaron had exposed them, the shimtza, for disgrace, the mm-hmm. kameim, among those who rose, who rose up against them. Yeah. So the nation is, discri- is, is um, exposed. Now that's um, one of those words that, um, okay. when you translate it, it's, you know, you, you find it in the English and they will give exposed or broken loose or something. Okay. And it's, to me, it didn't really capture the real essence of it because it's it's so funny if you you know i mean we read this our whole lives right sure. and then sometimes some years ago i'm studying studying this um you know with a friend because this comes up you know around the time of my dad's yard site which is mm-hmm. you know now and um we're looking at this and we see this word is pharaoh right right especially in the second half of sure. uh with the hay with the hay because it you would think if it's you know, Aaron caused them to be Pharaoh. Right. You would think that the word should be spelled Peresh Ayin Vav, but it's not Vav. It's a Hey here, so it's 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 like the same as Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, right? And, mm-hmm. and a couple words before where it says Parahu, you see the Peresh Ayin Hey uh, right next to each other. So what is that? So what what's that supposed to mean? So um, and a separate thing I was studying. Which had, which was uh, Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch's piece about Brismila. He's talking about Perea, and he says, "What's Perea?" And he says, "Perea is like," and he cites this verse here. And I said, "That's incredible." So, so uh, Samson Raphael Hirsch, Rabbi Hirsch, is linking this verse in Kisisa with with Paro to the Perea of Brismila, and. Uh, it's too long to go into now. I've been working on a, a manuscript about this with God, with a bunch of friends, and God willing, we'll finish it someday. Okay. But the punchline of it basically is that um, uh, Hirsch and others connect um, this concept of pru, which we normally think of as pr- as like uh, 
procreation, human procreation, right? But it also really stands for, uh, pru is it's bigger than that. It's the way that we sort of, you know, create the world. You know, like uh, like God created the world. You know, we create our 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 own. We make out of the out of the world that God has given us. We make of it what we will. Sure. And there's only two ways that we make the world. One is one is by with self control, self restraint, which is the Perea way. Mm-hmm. And through Perea, the I'm skipping a bunch of steps here, but okay. through Perea we can make make dash and we can make space for God. The only other way that we exercise our pru is paro, mm-hmm. and paro is like totally not controlled, right? Uh-huh. And through that, we don't make a space for God. We make our own. Right. If I want to make an eagle, I'll make an eagle. Right. Right. <laughs> right? I do whatever I want to do, sure. right? And it's right. not. Um, so the one way is to make a uh, space for God in the world, to make a world for God. Uh, make a mikdash so that God can can walk among us again as as in Aden, or to make a situation like this, and that's what um, by telling us uh, paro, that's one way that we're reading paro is they're making. We can make our own gods. We can make our own whatever. It doesn't matter, right? It's up to it's up to us, you know, Hashem or no Hashem. It's it's up to it's up to me whatever whatever I want to do. Well. It's not really up to me what I want to do, right? right. And um, another way that I saw that's interesting about Paro, why it's not with a Vav, why it's with a Hey, is because these people haven't really left Egypt in some ways, Uh, you know? They have, you know, they're only, I mean, can you imagine, we were talking about it before, all the incredible things that they saw. Mm -hmm. They saw these plagues, they saw the sea split open. This was only maximum like three months ago. Right. right. <laughs> you know? Really recent history. It's really recent history. Yeah. And and yet they can go. You know, they are so, um, let's say, you know, contaminated, inculcated with right. the Egyptian perspective on things. And the Egyptian perspective in the things is where there's a man who's a god. That's right. Paro. Right. He's the ultimate authority. That's the reality that they. That's. You know that's inside of them. They can't. They could leave Egypt, but right. they, can't they can't get Egypt out of them. They can't get Egypt to leave them. Right. You know, and um, uh-huh. and so that's what's happening here. Can you imagine though, like how much more difficult it is for us who didn't see? Right. I mean, yeah, we we talk about we as if we had come out of Egypt, right? right in these in these things, they actually really experience this. They experienced it, right? You know? And they still, they still, and they still, as later, we're not able to deal with it. How much more difficult yeah. is it for us to get the Egypt out of us? Get the Egypt <laughs> out of our, our inside. That's true. That's a profound thing. And there's so many different times you'll see over and over again the idea that we have to constantly remember and everything we're doing is to remember leaving Egypt. Remember leaving Egypt. Remember yeah. this, this is a formative experience. It's Absolutely. like the birth experience of the Jewish people. That's right. And, and um, it's hard to really sometimes understand like what's the connection? Shabbos, right. remember leaving Egypt. You know, you do another mitzvah. These are things that don't even seem to be related. We're doing a sukkah, okay, because they had sukkahs in it. Right. Remember leaving Egypt. We're reenacting every Everything. year, yeah. constantly. We have this constant theme. If I would say, like, what's the theme right. of the Jewish year? Yeah. It's leaving Egypt. Again and again, reenacting, reenacting, reenacting that birth experience. That's right. Because it's so essential to, because um, that's our identity. Our, our identity yeah. is this idea of the journey, I think. Yeah. It's the journey, it's and the journey. journey is ups and downs. And one last thing, I'd have to leave off, because uh, you know, we have to end the pretty sure, soon. Sure. Um, 
Like, what was the mistake? What caused this mistake? The way I see it, they ran out of patience. They said, Moshe left us. He left us. He's gone. It's 40 days, right? We yeah. were supposed to be back. And they yeah. messed up the counting. Yeah. And they panicked. They panicked, like you said, because they were so used to needing a firm leadership. Right. They needed by the hand. Exactly. And and the idea was with the Torah that you're capable now. You're different yeah. people. You're capable right. of getting through things. You know, and and uh, they said no. Moshe is Moshe is the one who took us out of Egypt. So they hadn't recognized yet yeah. that it wasn't Moshe who took them out. Right. It was God who took them out. Moshe is so, just the agent, right? So if yeah. Moshe is a, they thought they still were. You know, that's I think that sounds like the mistake that they made. Right. They said a human being took us out of, out of Egypt. If a human being took us out, we need someone else to replace him. We need yeah. human. We need. We can't have such a direct connection to God. Right. And there are times even when God wants to share with them the, the Ten Commandments, and they say, we can't, we can't handle it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's a lot of the struggle, the underlying struggle, yeah. for them to accept the fact that God is saying for the first time in history, you can have a direct relationship with me. Mm-hmm. You don't need to bow down to an idol to, to, to worship me. You don't need a man to get between you to worship yeah. me. Yeah. You, a human being in your state, can talk directly to me and have a relationship. Right. And it's at a very hard time, it seems to be, yeah. internalizing that idea. Very yeah. hard that it can't be through something else. That's right. But that's definitely, I think, why it keeps, uh, that's like to me the, the signature theme of Judaism. There's one God and you, anyone, anyone on earth can have a direct relationship with him. And um, Well, get, yeah. it's amazing because they take, you, you can have a direct relationship with them. You, human being, can do this. On the one hand, they take what we would think of as everyday mundane objects like the nose rings and they right. make an egg ale. they right. take similarly mundane objects and make and a mikdash mishkan, ah, wow. mishkan. Right. and um, you know without it being the blueprints of a mikdash you know these would be ordinary curtains these would be ordinary animal skins ordinary pieces of wood whatever but if you approach it in the right way through the blueprint that God gives you the system of mitzvot becomes a mikdash rather than an egg ale. Oh. Right, exactly. and that's the difference right. I think between Priya and Paro. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. getting back to that one. What are you going to do? What are you? Which way are you going to go? Right, right. right. <laughs> They're both before you. you. Have the two ways before you. You have Priya, you have Paro, yeah. and which way you're going to take it. And the last thing I would add in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's a lot of times Rabbi Bach has talked about this that we see, you know, there are parallels. There are parallels between our national experience and our personal experience in life. Yeah. And I think we all experience this personally in our life. Right. Well, we get this reoccurring message that, okay, we're going to figure out some way to get through this without having a relationship yeah. with God. Right. We'll keep God at bay, you know, and I'll get through it. And the message over and over again from God in our lives is that, no, you can't. You can't. You, yeah. you know, you need, we need to have this relationship. Yeah. We need it. We need it. And you know we need it. And, and it's just not going to work to get around it, yeah. to have this personal relationship with God. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.